chapter 10 of of the book of proverbs and this would uh, be the uh, the last sermon in this uh, series while proverbs goes on there are 31 chapters we will stop at chapter 10 so far we've been looking at chapter 1 to 9 where where solomon is is presenting to his son the need the urgency the importance the necessity to listen to wisdom to fear god which is the beginning of of wisdom and finally in chapter 9 he brings it to 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 the pinnacle where he says now there are two invites before you my my sons there are two invites there is an invite from wisdom and there is an invite from from folly and you you should um, you should accept the invite of the of wisdom but you need to have an attitude of humility and receive instructions and not be a, an oppressor or a mocker um, and then you gain gain wisdom so from there from that pinnacle reaching that pinnacle now the rest of the book of proverbs the second part of the book of proverbs 10 to 31 are actually what we commonly understand as proverbs which are nothing but sayings of the wise these are these are pithy sayings these are one-liners two-liners um, which which are seemingly disconnected and independent of each others but these are proverbs what we generally understand um, so proverbs 10 starts a new section in proverbs and this is what we think of today as proverbs now before we look into the chapter uh, let me just let me just talk about you know how do we read these proverbs okay there uh, it's not that these are difficult to understand right how do you understand these these individual proverbs uh, for those of you who have read the book of proverbs and many of you would have memorized um, this might seem like something strange. Why do we need to know how to read the book of Proverbs? It's pretty simple, right? Don't be lazy. And then there are, you know, uh, talk softly, talk gently. Uh, it seems like a weird question. How do I rightly read Proverbs? Now, we might understand that question if we are talking about the book of Romans or Isaiah or Leviticus. But Proverbs are easy. They're, sim they're straightforward. For the most part they give practical advice well leviticus talks about complex things like the sacrificial system and all which require a way of reading and interpreting it but um, i understand when the bible tells me not to be lazy or to be disciplined or to discipline my children those are easy to comprehend so the majority of proverbs is easy to comprehend but here's the problem there is a right way to read Proverbs and there's a wrong way to read the book of Proverbs, specifically chapters 10 to 31. There is a right way to read Proverbs that leads to joy and life and there is a wrong way to read Proverbs uh, that leads to misery and pride. Now here's the difference. Now you can read Proverbs like a Pharisee and say, I need to do these things in order for God to love me i need to obey these practical pieces of advice uh, because if i do them god will accept me now that is one way to read the book of proverbs and that's the wrong way 
we should not read it like a Pharisee. Instead, we need to read the book of Proverbs like redeemed Christians who say, these are not things that we do in order to get God to love us. These are things that we do because God already loves us. We do not do these things to become children of God. We do these things because in Jesus Christ we have already been adopted into his family. And now this is how he commands us to live. There's a huge difference between these two ways of reading. Reading the Bible like a Pharisee trying to earn our righteousness by following these proverbs will lead you either to misery when you fail or pride when you succeed. <clears throat> but if you read it like, like a Christian, a redeemed sinner, it will lead you to become wise and joyful. Now, what we, what we read in chapter 10 talk about conduct. And these are not things which God tells us to do in order to become his child. These are not things God tells us to do in order for him to love you. These behaviors or conducts are what God is already producing in those who are his children. Those who are already part of his family. God is slowly, progressively confirming you to the image of Christ. He is making you more like Jesus Christ, who is the wisdom of God. So Proverbs is very much a book of sanctification. Now if you say this morning, well, you know what, I read Proverbs I heard it read I don't have these things in my life my life is a wreck then maybe the reason you don't have them is because you are not a believer in Jesus and I hope that Proverbs 10 will reveal to you the areas of your life where you are foolish and sinful and will drive you to Christ as your savior and then through faith in Christ the wisdom of Proverbs is what God will produce in your daily life. Well, the gospel is not about making yourself righteous. It is not about doing these things to become righteous. The gospel is just about how the righteousness of Christ has been credited to your account by virtue of your faith, by His Spirit and by His Word. He is molding you and shaping you to become more like Him. It's a slow process. It's a gradual process. Sometimes you take two steps forward, one step back, and sometimes it's three steps back. But it is a process where God is molding and shaping you into the image of His wisdom. So what we need to understand as we look at, at Proverbs 10 and the Proverbs after this is that this is God's wisdom given to His people and God, God also gives us the ability, it is His work, 
in which he is producing in us the right response to each one of these sayings, to each one of these problems. Now, one way to look at it is, hey, yeah, I need to do this. Yeah, definitely. But if you do it without faith, without knowing that it is God who is at work in you, then it will end up in either pride or it will end up in despair. The Christian life is lived by faith. You live by faith, recognizing your sin and foolishness and daily repenting in these areas where you are not believing the gospel or worshipping Jesus rightly. And as you do that, the Lord shapes. He shapes you into the image of Christ so that you can live out the wisdom of Proverbs. We're not saved by faith plus works. We are saved by a faith that does work. Faith will produce obedience and wisdom in your life. So don't look at these sayings as legalistic. It will either cause you to evaluate yourselves as, hey, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm good here, I'm good there. I'm better than the others. I know that person over there is not doing this. He's a babbling fool, I'm not. Or it will lead you to, man, I'm a babbling fool. I've got no hope. I'm not disciplining my kids rightly. I'm a fool. Oh man, I need to do, come on, let's do something. The intention of Proverbs and Christ who is the wisdom of God is to read these Proverbs, evaluate yourselves and then go in repentance to Christ because these are the, this is the lifestyle of a child of God. And if you are a child of God, you don't try to earn your position into the family of God. Rather, you confirm yourself to the image of Christ. How? By faith. Not by writing 10 things and then trying to do them tick by tick. No, but by going to Christ and saying, Lord, you know what, I'm messing up. I'm not living as your child at all. And then, allowing God to bring that fruit into your life. So that's the right way to read Proverbs. So Proverbs is all about walking every day with Jesus. Because ultimately, God's, God is at work to transform or to conform us to the image of perfect wisdom. And what Proverbs shows us is what this wisdom looks like. So Proverbs is all about walking with Jesus every day. Walking with Jesus in your 24 bar 7. Walking with Jesus in every season of life. Every situation of life. Because it is only through faith that we live wisely in the fear of God. And if you are not a believer in Jesus, you might try real hard to do these things. You might actually succeed in 99 out of the 100 things that you will do. But since it is not produced by faith, by your dependence on Jesus, it is discounted. So as we look at Proverbs chapter 10, 
These are the sayings of a father to his son. Right? And, and sometimes you look at these, these and, and you say, hey, you know what? Sometimes he's talking about, about using your words properly. Sometimes he's talking about business. Sometimes he's talking about disciplining children. Sometimes he's talking about being wise in the marketplace. And sometimes he's just talking about, about the foolishness of selfishness and laziness and disobedience and indiscipline. It seems like it's all mixed up. But when you think of it, right, when you think of it, that as a father, when he is giving these instructions to his, his son, okay, he, it happens in the everyday of life. You think of a typical day at your home, right? For those of you who are parents, you think of your typical day at work. Right? You do, we, do, we do not portion our days into, all right, let's, let's um, you know, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock, I'm going to teach you about honesty. 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock, I'm going to teach you about living a disciplined life. And then we break for some time. But then in that break time, I'm going to teach you about using being a good steward of your time. Um, and then, you know, let's talk about, at lunchtime, we're going to talk about, you know, um, a certain other aspects of life. No, we don't portion, right? It happens when very, very impulsively. Situations come. Your siblings fight and then you get a chance to give them the wisdom of God for that situation. The very next moment, somebody has stumbled and fallen and they're crying and you give them wisdom in that situation. At the same time, in the next five minutes, somebody is lying over there. Lying as in telling the, telling, uh, speaking uh, untrue. And you go and correct them over there. At the same time, you get a phone call and then uh, somebody talks to you about, uh, hey, why don't we cheat uh, somebody else or gossip or something else. And you give them wisdom over there. So it happens um, organically. Right? And hence, Proverbs, don't look at Proverbs as, man, this is, this is all so, so difficult. And, you know, why can't he just put all the sayings of, of, um, of disciplining children together? It's so easy to read. No, it happens in the everyday of life. And hence, you walk with Jesus in the everyday of life, in every season of life. So as we look at chapter 10, I'm going to show you four areas from this. It's not exhaustive, uh, but four areas in which you can walk with Jesus. You can walk in faith with Jesus. The first area is walk with Jesus in your work and with your money. Walk with Jesus in your work and with your money. Right? So there are, there are few verses that I pick up from Proverbs 10 which talk about, uh, talk about this one. Uh, particularly we go to verses uh, 2 to 5. Right? Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. So these two basically talk about uh, God's providence in the area of, of money and what God demands in the area of money. The next two verses, 4 and 5, talk about work ethic. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. So let's look at these two. How can we walk with Jesus in the area of our finances, in the area of our money? Again, how does a child of God in the family of God, living by faith in Jesus, deal with money and work wisely? So that's what we're going to see. So the, first of all, the Bible is not against money. The Bible is not against getting rich. 
Okay, the Bible is not against getting rich. At the same time, being rich is not a sign of God's blessing always. Just the fact that somebody is rich doesn't mean that, you know, God is pleased with them. What does verse, verse 3 say? Verse, three, verse 2 says, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Now, there are, there are different ways of getting money. Proverbs over here, Solomon tells his son that bad ways, wicked ways, unbiblical ways to earn money, that is greed, cheating, cheating others, cheating the government, evading taxes. These are bad ways to, to earn money or save money. Greedily. There are so many avenues today where you can, you know, get, get rich quickly schemes. Just invest this much in three months, you'll get a lot of money. And we want to be lazy and we want to be rich too fast, too quick, and hence our greed gives in and we go in for it. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but he who gathers little by little will increase it. Gains from righteousness last and fulfill. Don't use wicked ways in order to gain your wealth. Don't cheat the government. Don't cheat others. A child of God does not do these things. A child of God fights greed, repents of greed. He's not immune to greed. Is not immune to envy and jealousy, but repents of these things and seeks Christ to birth in him the fruit of contentment. Proverbs 10, verse 15 and 16 again talk about, about wealth. A rich man's wealth is a strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to, to sin. A rich man over here is a man who has gotten rich. The Bible is not against getting rich. And his richness is, is, is his strong city. That's his wealth. The poverty of the poor causes them to steal, causes them to be discontented. These are, these are realities which are there in the world. But the wage of the righteous leads to life. If you are righteous, you will be content. Don't try to take, take shortcuts. So how can we walk with Jesus in the area of our finances? Let's look at a few ways by which we don't walk with Jesus when it comes to wealth for fulfillment. When you trust in wealth, when your trust and your hopes, when, you're, when, when something that you bank upon is your wealth, that is not walking with Jesus. Proverbs 11:28. listen carefully. Whoever trusts in his wealth, in his riches will fall. But the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. When your trust is how, in, in how much, you know what, the next one or two years, you know, I'm set. You know, I'm confident. Because I've got a steady flow of income. My salary slip come. That's putting your trust in, in your wealth. 
can build up pride. That's not walking with Jesus. Living in the fear of missing out or jealousy, fear of uncertainties of the future or living carelessly for today is not walking with Jesus. I need to buy this thing. You know what? I got the money. I need to buy these things. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. Tomorrow is not, it won't be there and then I'm going to, not going to have it. Somebody else is going to have it and then I'm going to feel all bad. I've got to be the first one to get this. I've got to be the first one to get this. The fear of uncertainties of the future. Let me hold today because I don't know whether I will live tomorrow. Let me gather as much as I can. Gold and silver and jewelry. Let me just put in all barricade after barricade after barricade so that my wealth is not taken away from me. Because my identity is there. My social status is on my, on my wealth. There's uncertainties. That's not walking with Jesus at all. Proverbs 10, 3, the very next verse says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. He thwarts the craving of the wicked. The confidence that the child of God has is not in his wealth, but is in, in the providence that God feeds the hungry. Jesus says the same thing when we read in Matthew. He says, look at the lilies of the field. Look at the birds of the air. Why are you so anxious? Does money this morning make you anxious? The excess of it or the lack of it? Does it cause anxiety? Does it make you anxious? Does it cause rifts in your relationships? That's not how a child of God, walking in the wisdom of God, behaves. If so, then repent and ask, ask Jesus to, to help you in that areas. At the same time, living with a grudge against the wicked who are prospering is, is not walking with Jesus. You might always look at yourself as proudly and say that, you know what, because I am righteous, I am not like them. They are wicked. That's why they get what they want. And that causes pride. That's not walking with Jesus. But knowing fully well that yes, the promises of scripture are generally true in this life but are definitely true in the life to come. And I'm building or storing up my treasures in heaven rather than here. That's what a child of God is supposed to do. If you have not been walking with Jesus and depending on Him in these areas, I want you to understand that these are areas of idolatry. Your money might be an idol to you. Your desire, you yourself might be an idol where your needs come before dependence on God, then repent. Put your faith in Jesus and be conformed by the renewing of your mind. He provides, He cares, He loves. He has overcome these fears on the cross and given you life. The good news for you as a child of God is that you might have fallen in the area of your finances umpty number of times, but I want you to know that you are accepted before God not on the basis of how well you deal with your finances but on the basis of the righteousness of Christ which He has earned for you. But now, knowing that you are in the family of God as a child of God, confirm yourself to the image of Christ. Be wise in the way you deal with your money. 
as a child of God, you have a loving father who is the creator of all and he is good. Be righteous, be content. Verse 4 and 5, we look at work ethic. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. When I say work ethic, I'm not talking only about corporate office work or some employment. It is, it is just any work that you do, any task that you take up. Now Solomon says two things. He says laziness will lead to poverty and will also lead to shaming your parents. While diligence and hard work lead to riches where you are able to provide and bring joy to your parents. Now the, the, the thing is, now I don't know what picture you have of laziness in your mind. But rarely, you know, a person is lazy and with a typical picture of a couch potato with a bag of chips and watching TV. I mean, there are specimens like that, but not every, not, that's not the norm to define laziness. In Proverbs, laziness refers to people who cannot complete their tasks. They cannot see their assignments through to completion. They might start a task and get to the middle of it, but they walk away before it is finished. Verse 5, we talk about, he, he talks about a son who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but who sleeps in harvest is a son. Is a son who brings shame. A son who is there for sowing of the seed and taking care of the field. If he is absent in harvest, what's the point? Is the task unfinished? He's got other priorities. He's run away from his primary tasks. And he's a lazy man. He's a lazy man, not completing the task. In our day, Laziness of Proverbs looks like distractions that keep you from staying on your task. You cannot complete your assignments because you get distracted to social media. You go there 30 minutes and then come back, do 5 minutes of work, then again check some updates somewhere else. That's laziness, that's slothfulness. Laziness keeps you from nurturing your family, providing for your family. And failure to provide for your family is a failure to believe the gospel. It's a Jesus problem. Because we are not walking with Jesus in the area of our work and work ethic. Living indisciplined lives and shying from responsibilities is not walking with Jesus. Failing to provide for your family is not walking with Jesus. Failing to nourish your family in the primary areas of responsibility, physically, emotionally, spiritually, is not walking with Jesus. What is the idol over here? The idol is yourself. Self-comfort, self-righteousness. The problem over here, you, you, you're ignoring others, you're thinking only of yourself. 
children, if you don't complete the task that your parents give you, that's not walking with Jesus. But you should know that completing your tasks brings, brings joy. And you will be a prudent child, a prudent son, a prudent daughter if you diligently do your, do your tasks. That's how a child of God should behave. Doesn't Jesus say, doesn't Paul say in, uh, in Colossians, whatever you do, work unto the Lord. Not as eye pleasers, but work unto the Lord in all that you do. Taking tasks lightly at work, not delivering stuff on time, is not walking with Jesus. Procrastination, I'll do it tomorrow, do it later, do it this time, do it that time, is just not walking with Jesus. That's not a child of God. Because procrastination is either, either springs out of fear. If I do this, somebody is going to say something to me and hence I won't be able to handle it, um, so I better not do it. If I do this, um, then the next task is going to come, which, I, which is harder than this, so I better not do it. Or it springs out of a complete inconsideration for others. If I do this task, um, it's important to them, but who cares? What the heck? Let others' timetables and other schedules go for a toss. I don't care. I'm just not doing this right now. We'll do it later. So there are multiple idols which are there in, in laziness. And that's not, procrastination is not walking with Jesus. Because it springs out of a self-comfort or you think you're above everyone else or just fear. Again, what is called is diligence and hard work. Compassionate work. Empathetic work. And these are marks of a child of God. These are what God produces in you when you trust Him and walk in faith. Finishing your tasks is not a way of saying that, hey, I'm righteous, now God will love me. These are not tasks to please God and win His favor. We fail and run to Jesus and walk with Him. In our everyday tasks, we walk with Jesus. And we say, Jesus, I do this in faith. And at the end of the day, there might be tasks which you have absolutely goofed up. You go back to Jesus. And you say, Lord, I thank you for, for, for dying on the cross, for my hopelessness in the way that I work. I thank you that I stand righteous before God, not because I, I did my work today and I feel all good, um, or I feel like a hopeless sinner because I didn't do my work properly. But I stand by, by the righteousness of Christ and that leads to, to, to faith, that leads to hope. So you see, that these are walking with Jesus is walking in faith. And we look at Proverbs to walk rightly by His strength. The second area 
is walk with Jesus in your words and your mouth. A lot of chapter 10 is devoted to the, the imagery of words, mouth, lips, speech. Particularly, we look at verses 6 through 11. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. If you love to hear the sound of your own voice, if you speak more than you listen, then you are probably a fool. You are probably worshipping the idol of yourself. Do you just not listen and just, just wait for the other person you are listening to to just stop to take a breath so that you can, you know, jump in and give gyan? If you love to talk but cannot receive commands or advice from others, if you cannot listen to others, how can you correct your mistakes? If you find it hard to be advised, you are not walking with Jesus. If you are a person who talks but cannot listen, knowing that your view on a matter may be wrong, you're not walking with Jesus. Walking with Jesus, He helps you to first of all listen to Him as He listened and perfectly accepted the commands of His Father. The area of, of speech and words is highlighted multiple times in Scripture. In fact, James dedicates an entire chapter, James chapter 3, to tame the tongue because it's a world of evil. It can set the course of life on fire. And I don't need to, 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 to tell you about the devastation that words can, can occur. You just need to look back and say that how many times you have felt that after saying something you wish that you had not said it. How many times when you reconcile with, uh, with somebody with whom your words have hurt, um, the, the statement comes, hey, I never meant it that way. Words, once they leave your mouth, they don't come back. There's no way to repair the, the wrong that they do. When sinners speak, sooner or later, something, something which is hurtful will come out. Those who speak and a lot, sin a lot and are destructive to themselves and people around. Proverbs 10 in, in, in multiple places talks about the use of words. Now how can we walk with, with Jesus in the area of, of the words that we use? Firstly, Verse 8 shows us that a babbling fool comes to ruin, but the wise of heart will receive commandments. If you find it hard to take advice from people, 
If people come and talk to you and show you godliness and all and you say, oh man, come on. And who are they to tell me? No, you go to Jesus. And you see how he submitted to the will of the Father and it was the will of the Father that he should die. It's the will of the Father that he should suffer. It was the will of the Father that he will be mocked. But he obeyed the Father. He didn't say, Father, hey, come on. Right after all the miracles, now you want me to walk that path? You got to be kidding me. No, he submitted. Said, my food is to do the will of the Father and to finish the work. Verse 14 in Proverbs, if you look into your Bible. The mouth of fool brings ruin near, but the wise lay up knowledge. Jesus transforms us. He confirms us to his image and causes us to love the word of God, which is the knowledge of God. He brings us into relationships where, where the, the knowledge of God is, is just amplified. Where we are instructed in the knowledge of God. And once that happens, the foolish mouth that we have is tamed. The foolish mouth is tamed. We don't have to go to courses on how to speak better. How to speak softer. How to speak gentler. Walk with Jesus. Repent of your sin. Seek him in faith. And know that he has taken all your shortcomings upon the cross. And depend on him. Grow in his knowledge. And you will see that you are using your mouth wisely. Verse 19. Words, where words are many transgression is. Not lacking. Whosoever restrains his lips is prudent. Maybe you are not able to restrain your lips. Maybe it is the words which come out of your mouth which always get you into trouble. It's just a lot of talking which happens. There's no restraint. You are not able to restrain. You speak your mind and then get into trouble. Well, that is not walking with Jesus. How do you walk with Jesus? The prudent restrains his lips. You confess that you have not been prudent in this area, that your words have hurt, and you seek God. At the same time, you don't grow in the pride that, hey, yes, you know what, I, I, I speak less, so I'm better than others. Or it is this act of mine which is going, which makes me more favorable to God. No. At the same time, if your words have hurt others so many times, you don't say, man, I'm unworthy to be in the kingdom of God. We don't do that. We look at what Christ has achieved for us in the area of words and mouth. And we say, Lord, it is your righteousness which is by which I'm going to stand before you in judgment. Not by my how much I do this or not. But during this time, fill me with your wisdom so that I will grow in using words wisely. The third area is walk wisely with Jesus in your relationships. Verse 1, a wise son makes a, a glad father, 
but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Wisdom is acquired relationally. It has its effects surely on relationships. Proverbs 11, chapter 11, the next chapter, verse 12 and 13, just talks about the relational aspect of, of walking in wisdom. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. He's a foolish man, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secret, uh, revealing secrets, slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. It is relations, relational. Wisdom has all to do with relationships, on how you relate to your parents, children, neighbors, the animals under your care, keeping good company. But none of these, none of these are there so that you will gain acceptance from God. These are how you should behave as a child of God, seeking His strength. In verse 1, we see a wise son makes glad a father, a foolish son, sorrow to his mother. We see that actions of a person evoke emotions in the hearers or in, in those who are in relationship. What emotion do your choices elicit in your parents? If you are a wise child, you will make your parents happy. If you are a foolish, you will break your parents' hearts. Your wisdom or foolishness has emotional consequences for people around you. Specifically, as this verse says, your parents. You need to observe the response your behavior elicits in your parents and others in relationships to see whether you are wise or not. When you relate to people around you, what kind of response does your behavior Elicit, is it gladness and joy or is it despair and discouragement? Wisdom has everything to do with the emotional results you bring out of your parents, of people, those who are in close relationship with you. If you bring your parents shame because of foolish decisions, words or actions, well, you have a problem with Jesus. If you choose friends who corrupt you, you have a problem in walking with Jesus. If you choose relationships that are harmful for you, you have a problem with Jesus. If you get involved with peers who are into revelry and all the wrong things that life throws at you, you break your parents' hearts. That reveals idolatry in your life. Walk with Jesus and you will be wise in these matters. You may have caused heartaches to your parents, spouses, members of the church. But I want to tell you that Jesus not only kept the commandment to honor your father and your mother for you, but also gives you a clean slate and gives you his righteousness. Be encouraged. Going forward, look at verse 12 as your relationship ethic. Verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. 
Now it seems simple, but we all need to hear it. The root over here again is idolatry. Most likely worship of the self which prevents you from letting go of a perceived wrong against you. How do you resolve this, this, this conflict? Love. Seek the best in others. Not just seeking the best in yourself. Give benefit of doubt to others. Not just giving benefit of doubt to yourself. Forgiving others, other people. Not just overlooking your own sin. While you fixate on others' sin. If you are constantly angry. If you are the kind of person who loves a good fight. If you are continuously stirring up conflict. Then you are a fool. The way that you resolve conflict in wisdom. Is this a gentle answer turns away wrath. You resolve conflict by loving others and letting go of their offenses. By being more forbearing. Did not Jesus fulfill this on the cross? Where he took our offenses on himself and reconciled us to God. Not only does he resolve the conflict that we had with God. The vertical reconciliation. But that led to also reconciliation between Jew and Gentile. Barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, man and woman. And that is our, that is walking in wisdom. So if you're not walking, if you're walking in hatred, if you're walking in strife, if you're walking in grudges, if you're walking in unforgiveness, if you're walking, walking in, in pointing out mistakes in the, in the others, and that's your only goal and intention with nothing good that you have for them, you're not walking with Jesus. You're not walking in wisdom. Being a blood-bought wise Christian means that you see the way God dealt with you and your sin and your offense against him. And then you deal that way with others who wrong you. You love them. You forgive them. So walk with Jesus in your relationships. See what, behave, what responses your behavior are giving. It will tell you whether you are walking in wisdom or not. Love others. And if you have failed to do that, go to the cross. Go to Jesus. Lastly, walk with Jesus for, for your life here and after. Verses 16 and 17 of Proverbs uh, 10 talks about the wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. The ones who walk with Jesus in faith, they are on the path of life. The ones who don't walk with Jesus, they lead, they are led to sin. Verse 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The last part of Proverbs, Proverbs 10, verses 24 to 32, focus on this reward that we are going to get for walking with Jesus being a forever reward. A forever reward. Look at verse 25. When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more. But the righteous is established 
forever. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked are short. Verse 30, the righteous will never be removed, but the wicked shall not dwell in the land. Walking with Jesus, walking in wisdom, promises to us a forever reward. At the end of life, it's all about what you gain. What's the profit? Like the writer of Ecclesiastes says. You've considered everything. Have you gained anything? Money? Possessions? Well, you don't take them with you to the grave. You don't take your goodness and your charity to the grave. No, you don't do that. So what is the end? In the end, what do you take? Righteousness. It is righteousness. It is being right in the eyes of God that goes beyond the grave. And Proverbs over here promises the child of God that because you are a child of God, your righteousness is established forever. That is your, you being righteous, you are established forever. The wicked lose all that they have. They lose their standing before God. They receive from God the just punishment. So walking with Jesus brings you eternal reward. A reward of, of being in God's presence. Whatever you sacrifice, whatever you sacrifice for righteousness, for wisdom, whatever you say no to, will be given to you. When the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know what, we have left our lands, we have left our family, we have left our everything. We have left our animals and we have come to follow you. What is our reward? He says, man, you guys are going to get awesome rewards. May not be in this life, but in the life to come. There is not one who has left anything for the sake of the Lord and His righteous for for the Lord for righteousness and holiness, who will not be rewarded. Proverbs encourages us in that. So let us strive hard. Let us strive hard to be righteous, to be wise. But again, let me remind you: How do you do that? Not by making a checklist and then ticking them off. And saying, now I've got my ticket to heaven. No. It's by faith. These are all things, whatever we have discussed, all of these proverbs is, remember, what God is producing in you, a child of God. It's not for you to test. Oh, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Am I doing this right? And then evaluate yourself and either go into pride or despair. That's not the point. These proverbs are what God is, is, is producing in you as you walk with Jesus. That's the way you need to read it. And on that path, as you are walking with Jesus, you will see that many times you fall in the camp of the wicked. What do you do then? You're walking with Him. You repent of your sin. 
you get the assurance of his pardon you seek his grace and strength his word guides you his spirit is there to comfort to convict and to encourage you and you long for the day where all of these proverbs you will be able to do not because of how you did but because of what he did and this morning if you if you feel if you see that yeah these my my mouth my tongue absolutely out of control my money my attitude towards money my work ethic absolutely wrong relationships fully selfish they kind of okay but you know selfish here and there reward no idea i want you to know that you can walk with jesus and you can walk rightly in all these areas you can walk wisely in all these areas but for that you need to know jesus who is the perfect wisdom of god for that you need to know that you cannot keep all these things you cannot cannot walk as a child of god by yourself no but you also need to know that there is a way by which you can walk and that is through jesus through repenting of your sin and believing that it's only jesus through whom i can do these things let us pray lord we thank you that you are a compassionate god and lord these proverbs at times can bog us down and we can look at ourselves in self pity and these proverbs can lift us up in pride my lord how great is your your love towards us that you are laboring to produce in us these fruits that you are working father son and spirit to produce these in us and for that we are grateful o lord help us o lord to walk with jesus help us o lord to depend on you help us o lord never to be to be sidetracked and distracted by the thought that being righteous in proverbs 10 to 31 will gain us an entry into heaven but help us to constantly remind ourselves of the righteousness of christ and lord help us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling we thank you for adopting us into your family lord help us to live wisely in these areas as your children with your knowledge and your spirit pushing us on in jesus name we pray